So let's just chat about the human body for a wee second. I've just got some interesting facts for you. Your mouth produces about one liter of saliva each day. Yum. Your brain is sometimes more active when you're asleep than when you're awake. <laughs> well, <laughs> saying nothing, not looking at anyone in particular. Led end to end, an adult's blood vessels could circle Earth's equator four times. Isn't that amazing? Bodies, our bodies, actually give off a tiny amount of light that's too weak for the eye to see. The average person has 67 different species of bacteria in their were. Belly button. 67. Now I found a few bits of digestives and fluffs <laughs> over the years, but I didn't know there was any bacteria in it. <laughs> the human heart beats more than three billion times in an average lifespan. Mine's definitely, my heart rate's like 40, so mine's definitely less than that, but the average, okay, and if you have a high heart rate, it'll be a wee bit more than that. Scientists estimate that the nose can recognize a trillion different scents. A trillion. Isn't it, do you ever smell a smell? I used to say, remember when we were younger, I used to say, I hear a smell? But obviously you smell a smell. And it reminds you of somewhere. I was ironing my jeans earlier, and I got this, and I was like, I've, I know that, that smell is somewhere I've been. I just don't, does that happen to anyone else, or am I just weird? A smell makes you think of a place. Your blood, makes up about 8% of your body weight. So you can blame the blood. <laughs> my doctor told me about half my weight's blood, so I'm all good. We know that the human, look, we all have a body. We have four limbs, two arms, two legs, a head and a neck, which connect to our torso. We have other smaller parts, our appendages, like what we call them, our eyes, ear, <laughs> ears, ears, <laughs> nose, Fingers and toes, okay? Oh. We have cells, we have tissues, we have organs, we have um, the main systems in our, in our body, six or seven systems. And our body is an incredibly complex, detailed design. Um, the Apostle Paul, you know, he wrote most of the New Testament letters to various cities. And we know Paul's story about the Damascus Road and his incredible conversion there. And Paul talks about the body in many of his letters. And we know, those of us who know the Bible well, we know that Paul is, is he's never really, he's never given a lecture or writing some kind of academic essay on the anatomy of the body, um, like the internal makeup of the body. He, he's not writing an article for a school textbook or for a scientific journal. When Paul writes about the body, what way does he use the word? He uses it as a metaphor, a metaphor. We all know what a metaphor is. It's a figure of speech in which a word or phrase is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. Or secondly, it's a thing regarded as, and I guess this would be the key word, representative or symbolic or of something else. 
So what's Paul trying to describe here by using the word body? Why does he use this uh, particular metaphor? What's Paul trying to say to us in all of these passages that we find in these letters that he writes in the New Testament? Well, Paul is talking about the ecclesia. We all know what that is. We, we talked about it last, last year in our uh, study in Colossians. Ecclesia is the word that we have translated as church, which is, uh, as you know, I have a big issue with that because church is, a, is, is not, it's not the, really the meaning of ecclesia. Um, and Paul wrote all of his letters to this ecclesia. What is this ecclesia exactly? Well, it's a, a Greek word defined as a called out assembly or congregation. I can see where they get church from. That's okay, I'll, 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 I'll leave it alone. But ecclesia is, a, is commonly translated as church in the New Testament. We know that. Okay, so some verses. Acts eleven twenty six says that Barnabas and Saul met with the church, with the ecclesia in Antioch. Okay, he met, he, he, he met with the called out ones, his brother, his brother and sisters in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says that Paul uh, said that he had persecuted the ecclesia of God. Okay, and we know, all know Paul's story. So the called out assembly is a congregation of believers whom God has called out of the world and into his marvelous light. We all know that passage from 1 Peter, okay? It's important that we understand the definition of this ecclesia because we need to see ourselves as being called out by God. We have all been called out of that darkness and into his glorious light. Isn't that amazing? We've all been called out. And you see, if the church wants to make a difference in the world, if we really want to make a difference and, and stand out, we must be different from the world. How does Paul put it? In the world, but not of the world, okay? Paul was saying that this body is in some sense representative, symbolic of this called out assembly, those who had been set apart for Jesus Christ. Paul was saying that this body in some way is symbolic of the church, of those who had believed in Jesus. And Paul, of course, is talking about the worldwide group of people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, those who have been, we might use the word saved, those who have been saved, those who have been rescued and redeemed, those who follow the teachings of Jesus, those who follow his example, those who try to live according to the Word of God, those who try to live in obedience to the Word of God. It's those who have taken Jesus at his word and made him Lord of their lives. Paul is talking about, I've seen a few of you saying it, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. And those two words make all the difference of Christ. This is not just some body. This is the very body of Jesus Christ. Look, maybe you've never heard that term before. I know most of you have. Or maybe you've heard it so much and like me, you, you, you take it for granted or have forgotten what it actually means for those of us who are part of this body of Christ and what it means to be a part of his body, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, whichever term you want to use. It's the ones who are set apart. That is his body. And you know, if you're committed to following Jesus, and I know most, if not all of you are, and you've made him Lord of your life, then I want you to go away knowing tonight that you are a part of his body. If you didn't know that, now you know. You are a part of his body. And what a privilege it is to be called to be part of his body. Isn't that right? It really is a privilege and a blessing. 
You see, none of us deserve to be a part of this body. None of us deserve to be a part of the body of Christ. But Jesus made it all possible by his death and his resurrection. And now we get to be part of his body. And Paul is, of course, in his letters to these various churches, he's using the term the body of Christ to reference all the believers at that time, okay? Every single person that had come to know Jesus as Lord, all of those who had put their faith in Christ and had started a new life with him. But remember, alongside this, Paul is also writing to specific fellowships. He's writing to specific groups of believers, whether they meet in the synagogue, in a house church, small assemblies, wherever they would gather, in Corinth, in Rome, in Ephesus, in Galatia, okay, in Philippi. We know all the other places. And all, the, all of these people were members of this unique and global, we could say, body of Christ, the church. But they were also members of these smaller assemblies who met to worship and to live out their faith in that local context, in local community, where they lived and worked and they did day-to-day life, just as all of us do. And Paul writes two lengthy portions about the body of Christ. He writes in the letter to the Romans and in the letter to the Corinthians. And we'll look at them in more detail a little later and as the weeks go on. But I want to pick out a verse from one of those passages right at the start here. And it's in his letter to the Corinthians. And it's 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And Paul writes this. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Okay, so that's where we're going to start. You are the body of Christ and members individually. The contemporary English version has it like this. Together, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of his body. Okay, it's important to get that. Each one of you is part of his body. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul says this. And he is before all things. He's writing about Jesus Christ. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Did you see that? Did you read it tonight? He is the head of the body. Look, this is a verse that we looked at in great, great detail last year as part of our study in Colossians 1. And I know you all took notes and you've been memorizing it and everything and studying. It's been great. So I won't need to say any more about that. Only joking. So we find here that the church is the body, okay? The church, the called out ones, it's the body. It's the arms, the leg, the torso, the internal, the external, everything. But we can't forget about the head. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body. What was Paul trying to get across with this phrase that he used? Why this particular language? Well, we discovered last year that Paul was speaking of the Lord's redemptional headship, okay? Before that, in this passage, Paul might be talking about his headship, his headship over creation, okay, or in other things. But here in these verses, Paul is speaking of his redemptional headship. And this headship speaks of his priority, his supremacy, his superiority over his own body, the ecclesia, his very own called out ones. Paul here uses the Greek word kephale. And this word can be used both literally and figuratively as the head, okay, But we know here that Paul is using this word metaphorically as he does with so many other words in the New Testament when he's trying to communicate a wonderful truth with the believers. 
And here he uses this well-known metaphor to get across the truth concerning Jesus Christ's close Church, this is a close and an intimate relationship with his body. The two are forever connected and they'll never be separated, okay? He is the head and we are the body. And this is a close and intimate relationship with his redeemed and reconciled ecclesia, the called out ones. And this word, as I've said, it carries with it something of supreme, something chief, something very, very prominent. Paul is stating in the clearest way that Jesus Christ is the head, okay, supreme over the body. He is supreme. He has ownership of it, and he has all authority over it. He has complete control of his body and complete sovereignty over his body. And then Paul writes something similar to the church in Ephesus. It's in a slightly different context, but it's the same truth and principle, And he starts by talking about wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And I've underlined the the, the portion that's important for us this evening. Even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Amen. Amen. Here is where things get even better for us as the called out ones. Yes, there's a body of Christ. We know that. Yes, there's a head. It's Jesus. But we find out here that Jesus is also the savior of the body, which is a wonderful truth for us tonight, isn't it? He is not only our head, he is also our savior. Listen to this small section from gotquestions.org. It's a brilliant website if you're ever looking answers to things. Both Colossians 1 and Ephesians 5 emphasize the leadership of Christ and his power. In Colossians, Christ is head because he holds all things together. But in Ephesians, Christ is head because he is savior. Isn't that wonderful? So he holds all things together and he is also our savior. You see, a body cannot and will not survive without a head. We know from, you know, from history, decapitation is a sure way to end life in your body. If your head was cut off today, I don't think we'd see you at the meeting next week. I don't think so. <laughs> and I don't think you'll be going to work tomorrow either. Remember the guillotine? What a horrible, cruel way to kill somebody. But it's a sure way to make sure they're dead, right? Off with her head. (laughs) You see, our bodies need to be connected to our heads. Sorry, on a completely random note, I read this statistic recently that I think cockroaches, they can live for up to 11 days after the head's been cut off. It's weird, isn't it? And I, I don't like them at the best of times, but I certainly don't want them one in my house without a head flapping about. Anyway, our bodies need to be connected to our heads. And it's the same for us as the body of Christ. The, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, whatever you want to call us, this body needs to be connected to its head. Its savior, its redeemer, its Lord, and its king. You know, your natural body, it won't survive without your head. It just won't. I checked it on Google. It won't work. Please don't try. 
Don't try and prove me wrong, okay? And bring that over to us. Bring that over to the church. The church would die if it was severed from its head because Jesus is our source of life. He gives us sustenance, all our nutrition, all the goodness that exists in the church. Jesus is the body's life-giving head. You see, the body needs the head in the natural, and it's the same in the spiritual. The body of Christ, the called out ones, we need Christ. We need our living head. Let's go on and look a little bit deeper at what Paul had to say about this body. Let's see what Paul writes to the Roman and Corinthian believers. And these are probably the two most detailed passages. Romans 12, 1 to 5. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, and we, we all need to take heed of this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one as a measure of faith. And this is our, our, our portion for tonight. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Look, is it okay for a short time if we just stay in that verse? Is that all right? Verse four. Because I think it will help us to know and understand the way in which God has designed his body and the way in which he desires it to function best. He designed it. He knows what way it functions best. Let's begin uh, verse four by speaking of our natural bodies. And that's where Paul starts. He says, for as we have many members in one body, and here Paul is talking about our natural bodies, okay? I like this in, in some of the other translations as well. For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, members, or for just as there are many parts that compose one body, Another translation has, each one of us has one body and that body has many parts. Our bodies are made up of many parts for in the same way that one body has so many different parts. I think you all get this, the idea, don't you? Okay. Paul is, is here, he's drawing the reader's attention to his or her own bodies. So Paul, when he writes this sentence, I believe he wants us to get... To think about, okay, Paul, I know what you're talking about here. I've got my own body. I get it. To take note that our own bodies have many different parts. The parts we can see with our eyes, yes, but also the parts internally that we can't see. We've got the internal, okay, in the body, and we've also got the external. And you know, all the parts that are found inside and all the parts that are found outside, they are joined and fit together to make what we call our bodies. Do you all agree with me? We know that. We've got to think about external and internal. And we talked earlier about some of these parts, our various systems, the organs that function together, alongside our external limbs, ears, nose, fingers, and toes, okay? To make sure that we, we get through another day, that we can do what we need to do, and that our body functions as God intended it to. Okay, God wants our natural bodies to work together 
as he designed it, that it works together as a unit, a singular unit, with every part performing its function to the best of its ability, okay? When your body's good, life's good, isn't it? Nothing worse than breaking a leg, breaking an arm, breaking a collarbone, breaking whatever, a fin- a, a, cutting a finger off, cutting a toe off, okay? You're gonna feel it. You're not gonna be able to do what you need to do. And this is all about the internal and the external working together. All the various parts, whether visible or not, whether we can see them or not, doing what God designed them to do and working together in unity to make sure the body is healthy and fully functional. Look, do you see what Paul is trying to get across here? Do you see what Paul is trying to say? Do you see where I'm going with this tonight? I know you're all ahead of me. But Paul first gets us to look at our own natural bodies, to see the way they work, to see the way they properly function. And then he tells us something truly wonderful concerning our bodies. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Okay, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Look, you see that vital phrase right in the middle of the sentence there? But all members do not have the same function. I think it's very easy to read across that, just to read on past it. But I think we need to stop, and this is important for us to understand, because this is how the Lord designed his spiritual body, just like he created your physical body. This is the whole point of the metaphor here, okay? This is the reason why Paul is using this. And I think if we miss this, then we miss everything. Let me read it for you in a few other translations, okay? In a body, there are many parts, but all the parts do not do the same thing. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. A body is made up of many parts, and each of them has its own use. As in one body, we have many limbs and organs, you see, and all the parts have different functions. And I really love... Um, I was never a big fan of the Amplified Bible with lots of brackets and parentheses and extra words, but I I love this version of this verse. For just as in one physical body, so we know Paul at the start of the verse is talking about the physical body, we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use. And this word function, okay, it's a Greek word, say praxis. Say it it loud so you're awake. Praxis, all right? This is an act. It's a function. It's a deed, okay? It's a work. What am I getting at? It's a doing word. It's a doing word, okay? Act, function, deed, work. You You gotta do something, okay? This is a doing and a mode of action. Church, each part of your physical body is completely different from the rest. But you know, every part serves a unique and a special purpose. That's what I want you to get tonight. It's been designed that way. God has created it that way. Every single part, right down to the smallest cell, has a purpose in your body to help it function correctly, to help it serve its purpose. And just as our physical bodies are made up of all these different parts that serve unique and special functions, so it is with the body of Christ. It's exactly the same. How do I know? Because God's word says it. Listen to how Paul brings this section to completion. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Or another translation has it like this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Isn't that wonderful? Don't think I've said body as many times in my life as in this sermon tonight. But that's what we're talking about. The beautiful body of believers. I love this. I absolutely love this translation. For in the same way that one body has so many different parts, each with different functions, we too, the many, are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each one of us is joined with one another and we become together what we could not be alone. What about that? Amazing, isn't it? We become together what we could not be alone. We, each with our different functions, our God-given gifts, our God-given abilities, our God-given talents, we form one body in the anointed one. One body. We are joined together with one another. Why? So that we can become what we could not become on our own. We need each other. Church, we need each other. No man is an island God never intended it that way. We need one another and we need the body of Christ. We are all members of one another, which simply means we are one, okay? We are one. We are joined and knit together by Jesus Christ to form his beautiful body of believers under his headship as Lord and Savior. Amazing, isn't it? It, it really is amazing when you think about it. This, this beautiful metaphor, it's wonderful. But here's what I want to leave with you this evening. You have a unique purpose within the body of Christ. Every single one of you. He has called you out as one of his own and he has performed. This is my imagination, of course. But I imagine that God has per- performed a little bit of minor surgery to get you into the body, okay? He opened somewhere, he cut something open and in you went and now you're part of the body and you serve your own specific purpose. See, Paul goes on to tell us that it is Christ himself who has placed us in his body and he uses the phrase, as he pleases, as God pleases, Do you know what? It pleased God to put you in his body. It pleased him to make that wee cut, that wee incision, to be able to stitch you on or staple you on somewhere. It pleased God to make you part of his body. You know that it pleased God to knit you together with the rest of this local body in Christ. When you came to this church, it pleased God it pleased God when he, when he put you as part of this body. And you know what? This body, this church, this fellowship, whatever word you want to use, we need your unique gift. We need your unique ability. We need your unique talents. 
and we need your unique personality. <laughs> yes? Peculiar people. <laughs> There's a few peculiar ones in here. But God wants, no one's left out of this. No one's left on the bench. No one plays backup. No one's a substitute. We're all in this together and we've all been knit together as the body of Christ. And the, this body needs your gifts, abilities, and talents. And, and we need you to use those. You see, if we were all the same, the body wouldn't function. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to get through to the believers. I just had this thought in my head, if my whole body was my belly, it would be ridiculous, right? If I had no mouth, I wouldn't be able to feed it. If I had no feet, I wouldn't be able to get anywhere. Okay, We're, the body is, it's, I like to think of it as unity and diversity, okay? We're all diverse, we're all different, but we've got that unity that brings us together. And you have been placed, I've been placed in this body for a reason. Now here's the thing, I don't know the reason that you've been put here. Only you know that. Only you know the gifts that God has given you. Only you know the talents that you're hiding under your bushel. Is that what the word is? Don't hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Only you know the, the unique personality and specific uh, unction that God has put in you. I, I don't know. Okay? It's impossible. But you know. Only you know what God has gifted you with. And we have all been placed in this local expression of this body of Christ for a unique and a special purpose. Church, I'm not making this up. It's God's word. It's there in black and white. Look, I think sometimes it's easy to feel like maybe what we bring isn't enough. Like, Maybe you're sitting there thinking, but sure, what, what can I do? What can I bring? I believe that God has given each of us gifts. Your gift is valuable, okay? It's not me saying it, it's the Lord. You have something to give this church. I never feel like what you bring isn't enough because God says that it is. Okay, it's enough. He just wants you to be himself, be, be yourself, be yourself and bring what you have and give it to him. We, we're, we're terrible at comparing ourselves with other people. We're terrible at going, oh, but he's a better, she's a better, he can, he, she can, forget about that. Stay in your lane. Find that thing that God has gifted you to do and what he wants you to do, and you do that to the best of your ability. You run with that. You run the race with endurance, and you keep your eyes on the Lord, and you stay in your lane. Don't try and get into someone else's lane. That's when church gets messy. When you try and do someone else's ministry, when you try and do something you, that God never called you to do, stick with what God has called you to do. Don't compare yourselves to others. Because why? It pleased God to put you and what you can do in this body. You see, if you don't function as you're meant to, we can't function as we're meant to. Did you get that? If I don't do what I'm meant to be doing, we can't do what we're meant to be doing. 
as best as we can. And if I know what my gifts and abilities are, and I know what God is asking me to do, and I don't do it, well, do you know what? I'm not only denying the privilege, denying myself the privilege of serving him, but I'm also denying all of you. I'm denying the body of Christ because it can't function to its fullest potential without me and it can't function to its fullest potential without you. That's just the truth. God, we've got to do what God has called us to do, has gifted us to do and has given us the ability to do. The body needs you. I can't say it any other way. I could say it in Spanish, but you wouldn't understand. The body needs you so that we can fulfill God's purpose for us here at Glenmacken. Yes. In this church, in this week's small part of East Belfast, if we all do our part, if we all function together properly, if we all put the effort in, use the special gifts and abilities that God has given us, then we can fulfill God's purpose for us. And do you know what? It, it doesn't matter. Maybe you think, you know, oh, but I'm a, I'm a baby finger or a baby toe. I'm not a heart. I'm not a kidney. I'm not a leg or an arm. I'm not, you know, I'm not strong. I'm not, I'm, I'm an eye. I'm, a, I'm an, it's irrelevant. And we're going to get to that at a later point. Because in God's body, there are no insignificant parts. Everyone here is significant, Okay. I want you to know tonight, leaving tonight, that you are a significant part of this body of Christ and God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to function fully, completely, together, in love and in unity. And we can become together what we cannot be alone. That's what we're trying to get to. Here's what I want to leave with you. God has a place for you. Say place. God has a place for you in the body. He has a purpose for you in the body and he has set you in the body where it pleases him, okay? There's a place, there's a purpose and it pleased him to put you here. Look around tonight, just have a look around. Just take a wee scoot, just, all right? This this is the beautiful body of believers. I'm not talking about something that's, you know, we're to, I'm talking about us tonight. We're talking about us. Okay? We are the beautiful body of believers. And you all have a vital and significant part. And we need, I need, you need, we all need all of us to play our part, to fulfill our purpose in Jesus Christ. Many members, one body, with Jesus as our head. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, in the Amplified. Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. All that stuff I was saying a few moments ago, I didn't make that up. There it is in God's word. This is the beautiful body of believers of which you are a vital and a unique part. You have been placed in this body with his pleasure. Isn't that amazing? With his pleasure. Play your part. Say it with me. Play your part. Fulfill your function. Serve him with speciality. That's your speciality. 
the unique thing that God has given you, okay? Play your part, fulfill your function, serve him with your speciality. Look, the only advice I can give you tonight is just to be yourself. Don't try and be anyone else. God doesn't deal, with, doesn't deal in clones, okay? I don't care who your favorite singer or preacher or whatever, whatever you, you feel called to do is. It's irrelevant. Be yourself. Be who God made you to be. Use what he has given you and help this body at Glenmacken function to its fullest so that we can keep serving the purpose and plan of God in this place where he has put us. Are you with me? That's what we want to do. Look, I want to leave you tonight with a verse that we find towards the end of this chapter that we've been studying tonight. And it's verse 10 and 11 of Romans 12. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. And this is what I want to leave you with. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord enthusiastically. Come on. Yes? Okay. Yes? We've got to serve him enthusiastically. We've got to do all the other stuff. We've got to love each other. We've got to be affectionate. We've got to have the brotherly love. We've got to have the honor. We've got to give preference, of course. But then I love the way Paul puts that in. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Enthusiastically, with passion, with perseverance, serving the Lord.